You're listening to You've Been Hanged, hosted by Hank Griffin, writer, man of faith, Parkinson's warrior, traveling man, and storyteller. Wonderful stories, home cooking, thoughtful lessons, and candor about life with Parkinson's are his to share. Relax for the next several minutes with your friend, neighbor, and brother who loves you. Darla was a young mother. She and her first husband married when she was just 16. They did not have to get married. They chose to. In hindsight, it was not a wise choice. A year after the two married, Darla gave birth to her first child, a boy, handsome he was, the first grandchild on both sides of the family. The child's natural father, was not in attendance for his birth. He was stationed overseas at the time. Though the option had been given for him to return home for the birth, he declined. When his term of service ended, he quickly accepted a job that took him out of the country 11 months each year. Darla, a girl of just 17, was raising her son alone. Baby Hank was a good baby, handsome as the day is long, had a sweet smile and a gift for inspiring laughter in others. He really was a special child. Nevertheless, he was a baby. Babies, as every parent who's actually raised one knows, though wonderful gifts from God are a lot of work. Surely baby Hank made such labors a delight on all who undertook them, but, well, a lot of work. Even the happiest laborer in the vineyard needs a day off once in a while. Young Darla loved her son. How could she not? Obviously, the boy hung the moon. Still, there were times. The girl, though a mother, was a girl still, little more than a child herself. She'd not heard her son cry in several minutes. I think he's finally asleep, she thought. Quietly, so quietly, she stepped into the kitchen. So much to do. All the doing never ended. Dirty diapers to wash, constant. Dishes to wash, unending. The house was always in a state. The yard never quit growing, calves to feed and water, the garden to tend, bills to pay. And all had to be done by her and her alone. Darla felt it, the bitter sting of loneliness. It was a burden for a young girl. This was not what she imagined when she wore that lovely bridal dress. She looked up at the photograph on the wall and thought, it really was a lovely dress. Yet here she was raising a baby, a delightful baby to be sure, but a baby that needed her constantly and endlessly. She was so tired. Hunger stirred young Darla. With the baby sleeping, she smiled, thinking of having a rare opportunity to eat a meal without a distraction, just a bowl of cereal. The jug of milk slipped from the girl's hand and burst onto the floor. Darla, fearing the clatter might wake her son, froze, held her breath, and listened. After a while, hearing nothing, she silently cleaned the mess. Now I have to go buy more milk. We can't do without milk, she thought. Money was tight. The idea of loading baby Hank, a truly wonderful baby, an absolute pleasure at all times, though a baby still... And, though a joy and wonderfully handsome, cumbersome to tote around for a girl so young and slight, Darla struggling with the thoughts of 
all that had to be done, and now an unexpected and unwelcome trip to town added to the list, looked in on Hank, who was sound asleep. He won't be up for a couple of hours. If I hurry, I can make it there and back before he needs me, she thought. Inspired by the idea of a quick trip to town while the baby slept to be back long before he woke, the young wife and mother were soon out the door, in the car, and well down the first dirt road, then the gravel road, then the old top road, then the farm to market road, and finally, something akin to what most people today would think of as a highway. Twenty minutes to the grocery store, run in, grab the milk, run back out in just a few minutes, then twenty minutes back to the house. I won't get a nap, but I won't need to take the baby into town after his nap either. Darla pressed the accelerator, put an eight-track tape into the player, turned up the music, and smiled as she took in what qualified as an almost perfect moment of freedom so rare in her life that she couldn't remember the last one like it, just as she'd planned. Less than a half hour to the grocery store, it had taken a few minutes longer than she'd hoped inside, but not so much that it would be a problem. Back in the car, with a new gallon of milk to replace the one just spilt a while earlier, and she was off. Racing home, she thought of the loneliness in her life. A husband who she loved, but never saw, and living alone except for darling little Hank. No neighbors, no friends nearby. So lonely. That wasn't entirely true. Across the road that ran in front of their white frame house lived her husband's uncle Carl. Mr. Carl, she called him. Mr. Carl was a very nice gentleman, so shy, so painfully shy. He kept to himself, and Darla tried to leave him alone, not wishing to be a bother. How she longed for company, friends her age, other babies for little Hank to play with and grow up around, the company of her husband. Pow! At the noise, Darla was shaken from her reverie. Quickly to one side of the road, out of the car, she saw the back tire was ruined. Dang it! Is what she might have said, certainly what she should have said, but not in fact what she did say. No, Darla, the daughter of her mother Alice, did not say, dang it. Alice was many things, among them an artist. Her medium of choice and greatest gift by far was the poetry of profanity. Without ever realizing it, the daughter of Alice lit the air around her own fire with a litany of her mother's artistry as she surveyed the tire and considered what to do. She had no idea how to change a tire, but no intention of letting some minor detail stop. Darla, thinking of Hank, wonderful Hank, opened the trunk of the car, found a spare tire, and looked for the jack. She looked all around, but couldn't find one. She looked here and there, high and low, inside and outside, front and back. There was no jack. Tears of frustration, accompanied by more of the artistry that came to her by both genetics, environment, and at least on this occasion, by her own choice, made themselves known to the world. After a while, a familiar truck pulled over behind her, a family friend who had a jack, helped the young mother change the flat. After a while, she was on the road again. At home, she crept into the house and was pleased beyond measure to find it silent. Still sleeping, she thought, oh, thank you, Lord. The milk in the fridge, hands washed clean of dirt and tire black, Darla went in to look on her son, who was not in bed. 
Frantic and fearing the worst, the young mother ran all through the house seeking the child. He was not anywhere to be found. Darla ran outside. She looked in the front yard, the backyard, the shed, even under the house, but could not find the boy. And overcome with fear, hot tears ran down her face. Wait, wait. She heard something. What? Listening carefully, she heard, Darla, Darla. Across the road, it was Mr. Carl. Darla looked and saw the old man on the porch of his 120-year-old house, long bare of paint with its rusted tin roof and lovely yard. He was holding the baby. He was holding her baby. The girl ran across the way. Here he is, the old man said. What's he doing here? Why do you have him? Darla asked. Found him crying in the front yard, Carl said. The young mother broke into fresh tears. Come in the house and let's talk about this, Carl said. The two went in. Behind them, the screen door slammed shut and bounced three times. Whap, whap, whap. I'm so sorry, Mr. Carl. I spilled the milk and had to go to town and the baby was sleeping. I thought I could get back in time, but my tire blew out and it wasn't a jack. I couldn't change it and had to wait for help. Finally, someone stopped and helped me, but by the time I got going again, it was too late. Where is my nephew? Carl asked. Overseas. When is he supposed to be back? In eight months, the girl said. Not for eight more months? When he was in the last time, it was for only a month, Carl exclaimed. Darla, overwhelmed and carrying a very heavy burden for so long and all alone, had had too much. She broke down and wept. At this, Carl was both speechless and powerless. The old man went to his dresser, opened an age-darkened drawer, pulled out an old, thin, threadbare, but clean handkerchief, and pressed it to the weeping girl. She wept for a long time. It was an ordeal for them both. Awful sobs broke from the girl, tears seemingly without end, wails of sorrow born of loneliness and having long carried burdens too heavy for a young woman to carry all alone, worked themselves from the girl's broken heart. Through it all, she was further humiliated by her inability to control her emotions in front of her husband's uncle. What would he say? What, what would he say to her and to others? The old man sat silent as the girl cried. Her reaction, the unreserved grief, primal, raw, and ongoing, were so far outside his experience that he had no idea where to begin. And so, he sat knowing only, as old farmers have always known, that such storms, though terrible in their arrival and duration, would inevitably rain themselves out. And when it finally did, the sun would break through again. He sat through the tears, sobs, wails, moans, and cursings, all of it, as he knew it would. After a while, the storm passed. The girl settled down. She held the baby close, hugging him to her. Finally, she looked up at the old man and asked, Why is he wearing a bath towel? Darla, Carl began, Maybe you ought to leave me a few of his diapers here. That way, when you need to take an unexpected trip into town... You can leave the little feller here with me once in a while. This was not what the young mother expected from the old man. She wasn't entirely sure what exactly she expected, but this, this extraordinary kindness was definitely not it. The pair spoke at length. The girl made clear she didn't wish to be a bother. The old man tried hard to offer family help. He was, after all, the boy's uncle. Well, he thought, 
great uncle, I suppose. There were more tears. Hers were obvious and copious. His were only moderately less so. We are family, the old man said with kindness. You don't have to do everything by yourself anymore. It was the beginning of a wonderful friendship. This has been part two of the best sandwich I ever ate, or Darla's Tale. There's always at least two parts of a story. The part that we ourselves experience, but then there's that other part that affects us, but that we don't always have a first-hand knowledge of. In part one, little Hank seemed like he was bereft, seemed like he was abandoned, and perhaps it did seem like that to little Hank, who had no understanding of the world being just a, a baby. But now you know the whole story. Well, whole enough to continue. In the coming weeks and months, we'll learn more together, and I'm looking forward to it. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of You've Been Hank, and if you did, I hope you'll subscribe, that you'll leave a comment and like the story. If you'd like to provide financial support to the podcast, it would be appreciated. I'm certainly not going to beg for it, but if you feel like the work is worthy of your support, your support would be appreciated. Look forward to seeing you next time. Thanks so much for being here. Much love, Hank. You've been Hank. Thanks for listening to You've Been Hanked. If you enjoyed today's episode, do us a favor. Like, share, subscribe, and comment. It's easy and really makes a difference. Please help Hank help others by increasing the reach of You've Been Hanked.